Amen. Amen. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Precious anointing, Holy Spirit, just descend on this meeting. We thank you, Lord. You're forever present with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your precious spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I love that last song. Amen. Amen. There's nowhere I'd rather be. I know that for sure, you know. Um, Amen. I'm just going to read from Colossians. I'd like you to follow. I've got a few things to share this morning anyway, see where God takes us. Um, But the first scripture is in Colossians um, chapter 2, verse 6. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. Are you hungry for the presence of God? Amen. Because, you know, hungry people can get fed. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes my son, yeah, I try to feed him and he doesn't want to eat. Can't force him. Amen. Can't force a baby that doesn't want to eat. But if you're hungry, you'll get it. It's that easy. God's good. He's good in pouring out all his blessings and his word. And and you just have to feast on it. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm hungry for the presence of God. Amen. I'm hungry for the Holy Spirit. Can, can you set everything aside this morning to receive from God? Because that's what you have to do when you stand here. You have to set everything aside. And God will fill you. Amen. God can fill you where you sit. He's a wonderful God. Amen. I'll just talk from my heart a little bit because I think that's where God dwells. Amen. That's what my Bible tells me in Romans. That the Holy Spirit fills our heart. And if you speak from your heart in faith and God starts talking out of you. Yeah? So you can just flow with things. Sometimes it's good just to flow with things. Sometimes you can get a bit stuck for words. But, you know, if you're ever up here, just speak from your heart and glorify God and God will fill your mouth. And suddenly you say something and you'll be, bam. You'll be like, where did that come from? Something divine will come out of you. Something supernatural will happen. Do you know what I'm saying? I need the supernatural presence of God, don't we? I can't do it without God. Some people try. They run out of steam very quickly. But with him, there's a lot of mileage in this car. Do you know what I'm saying? This, this vessel runs on passion. Do you know what I'm saying? It's true. I'm very passionate about the Lord. I love the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? I love the Lord to pieces. So anyway, we're going to start from Colossians 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit, according to traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the power and head of all principalities. And not did you know that you walk in Christ? Amen. And you, did you know you walk in completion? Now, this is news to a lot of some of you, I'm sure. Because as a new Christian, I thought, you know, I always had a kind of incomplete mindset. But my Bible tells me I'm complete in Christ. Was there, there was nothing missing from Christ, amen? And we're in Christ, amen? amen. So that means we're complete in Christ. 
Is that good news? Yes. Now that's a great place to start, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> it's a great place to start. You know, if you've accepted Jesus and you've received him, you can abound in thanksgiving because you are complete in him. You can be complete. Many people are looking to the world to be complete. The world won't make you complete. The world will never make you complete. It's impossible for earthly things to make you complete. You were created from God to live in God and for God to live through you. So you are only complete in Him. You can only be complete in God. It's impossible for you to be content in anything other than Christ. You may have a temporary fix. The world is full of fixes, but it never produces true contentment. Only God can satisfy the inner man. Amen. Because He formed you. And because he formed you, he knows how to fix you. Amen? That makes sense, doesn't it? You know, if I, went, if I got a Volkswagen, I, wouldn't, I would want to get the right part to fit the engine and God give, him, give us the right part, which was himself. No other part would fit. But Jesus fits just right. We're complete in him. We're complete in him. We're whole in him. Amen? We're whole in him. I want you to believe that and receive that in your spirit. We are whole in him. And this is why Paul said in Philippians, he said, I could do all things through Christ, you see. Now, this is the context. The context from what he said here was whether he was hungry or whether he was full or whatever condition he was basically saying in a roundabout way. It's in Philippians 4. We're not going to turn there just yet. But he said, I can do all things through Christ. Now, listen, many people quote that in an achievement kind of way. And there's nothing kind of wrong with that, I suppose, because God will help you to kind of achieve things, per se. But rather, it's really talking about a continuous contentment in all things. We can do all things through him. Amen? So it's, a, it's rather a constant state of completion, of contentment, of satisfaction, rather than just, oh, I've achieved this, and I've achieved that, and I've achieved... Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We can flip off Bible verses and not really fully grasp what God is saying. But he's saying, you can do all things. You are in a continuous state of contentment and satisfaction in me. In me. Not what I just have to offer, but in me. I'm content. You're content, you're whole. There's a wholeness in God, Amen. I'll tell you, it's a precious thing to know that you're whole in him. It's such a precious thing to know that you can be whole and content. The world is looking for contentment. It's looking for wholeness. It's looking in every single corner. It's got a torch looking around for wholeness and contentment, and it can't find it. And it's wondering why nothing ever fulfills. But we have it. This is why we should shine. As Christ shined, we can shine. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, God has set us apart to be a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood himself, amen? And he's put his spirit within us, deep within us. We have the very nature and the presence of God dwelling inside this earthen vessels, what we have, amen? Amen. This is why we are different from the world. This is what impacts the world, it's because you're not like the world. If you were the same as the world, you would never impact the world. Amen? Amen? Now, I know we live in it, but we're not like it in terms of how we behave and how we act. Because we've got the divine nature of God living through our lives. How can we? How can we act the same? I can't act the same as I used to act. I couldn't do it if I tried. Because there's a change that's taken place. There's a change that's taken place. 
When God comes in you as a change, if people say there's no change, you know what, after time there's a change, I'm telling you, because God dwells inside you. You begin to look like him, you begin to imitate him. Amen? And if anyone needs to see Jesus, it's a time like this, what we're living in now. Your neighbours and the people that you work with are important to God. And God can touch their lives. The Holy Spirit can touch their lives because God dwelling in you. He wants to be released. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now we're going to go to Exodus this morning. Hallelujah. Let's go to Exodus. Because I've been looking at a man called Moses and he's quite an interesting character in the Bible. I think there's a lot to offer in, in, in his life and what he what he done and how God used him in quite an amazing way I love looking at the old patriarchs and, and what they done you know so much lesson in the word of God isn't there and many of you know the, how Moses you know Moses was born um, and he was put in a basket um, covered with pitch because there was a threat against the Israelites at that time, the Pharaoh, he, was, he, he felt he was quite insecure about how they were, they were growing as a people. And um, it was fear in him. So the only way he could control that was just to make a kind of a decree that, that all, the, all the baby, all the, first, all the males would, would die. We would kill them. But Moses, Moses escaped. Amen. And Moses was a Levite. And it said that that Moses was, was, a, was a beautiful child. And he, he, as he grew up, he grew up um, with, uh, with, with, um, with uh, when he was young, he was nurtured, wasn't he? He was nurtured by, by the Hebrew ladies, I believe it was his mother. But when he got to a certain age, um, it was Pharaoh's daughter that actually took care of it up until a certain age. But when I read through the beginning part of Exodus, I can just see the hand of God, how he kind of engineered and orchestrated the whole process of Moses from, very, from the very start. You can see that Moses was someone who was predestined, that there was an assignment for Moses to do, but he never quite realised it in the beginning. And often we can be like that in life, but we cannot quite realise really where we're kind of going or what's kind of our life is all about. It can be a bit of a muddle, and seem like as what's going on, it's just a bit of a nightmare at the time. But suddenly we silly we begin to read as the story continues, the story unfolds and the plan and the purpose of God is just opened up before us and we think, Wow, God is actually behind all this. Have you ever been to a place where you thought, Well, this is crazy yet? Is God really in this? But yeah, sometimes that's a sign that yeah, God isn't actually in it. When things are a little bit muddled, sometimes things seem to be a bit confused. But yes, God is in it. Amen. It's not far from him, is it? It's not out of his reach. Um, but if we, if we go to uh, chapter 2 in Exodus, and we look at um, verse 11 just for a moment, I'm not going to read through it all. But we see Moses had grown up at this point, And he was an Egyptian. And this is important. He was an Egyptian. Moses was an Egyptian. But his true identity, he was a Jew. He was a Hebrew. He was a Levite underneath it all. From deep within, he was a Levite. The true sense of his identity, he was a Levite. And they were the people that were set aside. They were servants. They were later on servants in the temple. They would serve God. They were set aside 
for the things of God, to serve God. But Moses was a Levite, but it was almost like he was disguised as an Egyptian. But if we read from verse, verse 11, it says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and looked that way and saw no one. He killed an Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you judge and prince over us? Do you intend to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and, sh- and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, so he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Amen. We're just going to leave it there. So you're probably thinking that's a bit of an unusual place to start. But there's a good point where I'm actually starting here because I believe this was a turning point in Moses' life. This point here. And I believe there's great significance in this point here. Because like I said, he grew up, he grew up as an Egyptian with, a da- with Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, But I believe you can see in this text here, there was a clear struggle with Moses and his true identity. His heart was for his people. Amen? And it's almost, you get the impression... That these, he's, it's almost like um, his Egyptian kind of his Egyptian lifestyle um, suppressed the true greatness of God that was going to be birthed through his life within him. See, underneath it all, he was born as God's servant. He was a Levite. He was God's man. That's who he was at birth. The Bible says we have, we're, we're born with an incorruptible seed. Moses was born with favour and destiny within his life, within him. Amen? So we can see almost as if Moses must have gone through most of his life feeling quite suppressed as being brought up in this Egyptian um, home, probably quite extravagant, quite wealthy. Um, you know, it was, he, was, he was with Pharaoh's daughter. He must have had it all on plate. But there must have been something deep down that wasn't quite clicking in the right direction. Deep within him, he must have realised, you know what? There's something not quite right. I look at my people, I might have it all going on around me. But there's something not quite right. Because when I see my people, as much as I've got everything sorted, as when I see my people, my people are suffering. Because the Israelites at that time, they were suffering under a ruthless Pharaoh. He, would, he was suppressing the people at the time. He was cruel to them at the time. They were like slaves at that point. And we know that... Um, Egypt is, like a t- is a type of the world. We see that in the scriptures. It's like a type of the world. And here we see this wrestle. We see this wrestle um, here with Moses and this Egyptian. And he kills the man because he's grieved about what's happening and what's going on. And it's almost like, you know, Moses is feeling like, um, you know, that, that this, 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 the way he killed the person is almost like as if um, Moses is, is, is getting... It's, it's like a manifestation of an inward struggle within his heart. Do you see what I'm saying? There's something going inwardly, going on, and he kind of just takes the man out. I don't know whether he intended to do, but he ended up killing the man. But God is in the business of rising up the greatness in us. 
that he's, bought, he's, put within our, he's put within our hearts. Amen? And the thing is, sometimes it, is, it, might, it might feel like the world is trying to suppress what God has put inside of you. And it's almost like the world tries to put something upon you that is not supposed to be upon you. Do you understand what I'm saying? But Moses, Moses killed the Egyptian. And I believe there's something very significant in this message that I'm going to preach to you this morning. Because you have to sometimes put to death the Egyptian. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to put to death the identity the world tries to put upon you. Sometimes there has to be... You have to kill what the world tries to tell you what you should be. Amen? I believe this is significant here because Moses was struggling, I believe, with his identity and the way it came across was out of anger. But really, it's because there was so much greatness inside of him that it was just waiting to come out. Amen? And sometimes your frustration can be an indication that there's real purpose living on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. And it just manifests in the wrong way, out of frustration. But God has to birth it. I'm here to tell you, God has to birth it, what he's put inside of you. And he wants you to be clothed with himself. We're not to take on any other identity. But God wants to bring you through his way. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, you know, if you think of this like this, you know, because I was meditating on this the other day, and I believe the Lord had given me this, that if we are to deliver people, we can't be like people. Do you understand? And, you see, the Egyptian in Moses had to die in order for him to deliver his people. He couldn't have delivered his people if he was just like the Egyptians. Amen? Amen. You see, he was, God was positioning him in a place where he would be used to deliver his, his people. There was something changing within him at this present time. And there was a death, but there was always also life, so that life could come. He was separating. He was separating Moses to do his bidding. Because as from this point, he went to, to Midian, and we know about the seven daughters, and, the, and, he, and he met, um, he met them, uh, the, these, the daughters at the well, etc., etc. But it was in a foreign land. And this is the thing. This, this, at, this point, at this point of death, there was a separation from his, old, from his old identity. And the true greatness of God, the Levite, was going was, was to rise up. And he was going to deliver. He was going to deliver his people. But there was something that had to happen. There was a setting aside. There was a, there was a, he was setting his life aside. Amen? You know, the Bible talks about he was sanct, sanctifying. You know, it's one of them big Bible words, but basically sanctification means that something is being set aside for the purposes of God, in a nutshell. So, for example, you know, if I had a pen in my hand, that pen was sanctified for the use of writing. Amen? Yeah? So your life 
has been created for a particular purpose and particular season. This present moment right now, your life, there's a call on your life. And there's a created purpose in you. And God's interested in sanctifying you, setting you aside for his plan and his purpose. Amen. And this is what he was doing here with Moses. He was sanctifying his life. It was a process that God was taking him through. You know, it, I'm sure he didn't calculate his life. How many times do we think we can calculate our life, the plan of our lives? But God oversees, he see a panoramic view. And he just moves and manoeuvres people, manoeuvres things, situations here and there, shifts you and moves you into your purpose. You know, when you think about it, sometimes you can be so frustrated, you could feel that you're kind of, you know, you're alone sometimes. I know as a Christian, I've often felt like I've been quite alone at times been so different from the world I'm not I don't fit in here I don't really feel right in this environment has anyone ever felt like that what am I doing here you know but that's that's greatness inside of you that's the greatness of God inside of you the reason why you don't fit in is because you was never supposed to fit in and people think is people get frustrated and they think well you know why don't I don't really belong here don't I that's because God's living inside of you and there's something for you. You're being set apart. You'll never be satisfied in the world. You're never supposed to be satisfied with the world. Don't be surprised if you're, if you're not. And don't be surprised sometimes if you feel alone sometimes because Moses probably felt alone. He was going to another foreign land. But God was setting him aside. He was setting him apart for his plan and purpose. As God was being revealed through him, the true identity of God God's man was coming out of him in this process. But there was a death to Egypt. Amen? So don't worry if you feel a little bit alone or you feel like you're an odd piece sometimes. Because you're individuals in God. Even though we're complete together, we're individuals. We're not into Christian cloning. We're not all supposed to talk the same and smell the same and look the same. And... Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you're set aside for something to do in particular. Amen? Amen. You know, Moses, and this is what I ring, Moses... There has to be a change in Moses if Moses was going to deliver his people from Egypt. Amen? And when God, God sets you to one side, he's positioning you to then be a deliverer. Amen? To be a deliverer. And you will deliver people when you're set to one side because you're different. And you're supposed to be different from the world. You're never supposed to look like the world. And because you're different, that's, that's why you will deliver. And that's why God can do, do what he can do for you, because you're different. You're never supposed to be the same as the world. Never. You're never supposed to try to fit in with it either. How easy is it to fit, try to fit in in our workplaces and try to, you know, at my workplace there's some uncomfortable things sometimes. People joke about certain things I feel uncomfortable about. I'm not too sure I should be laughing like that. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Come on, let's be real, do you know what I mean? It's true, isn't it? Should I be doing that, you know? But it's good that you, don't, you feel uncomfortable like that in some ways because it shows that you're set apart. God has set you apart, amen? 
And that's the best thing that could ever happen to your life. Because you're supposed to be the light of the world if you're no different from it. How can, how can you shine? You're supposed to shine in a dark place. And God can convict people of what they're doing. Don't try to blend in. Amen? Come on. Praise the Lord. So Moses was in a sanctifying, he was in a sanctifying process. Amen? So Moses was stepping into destiny. He was stepping into destiny because he's being set aside. And the call of God. And we're going to read from, we're just going to go on to Exodus 3. And we're going to start, yeah, we're going to start at the top of the chapter. That he was setting him, setting him apart. Let's carry on reading for a bit. Now Moses was tending the flock at Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. For the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off your sandals of your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father and the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of rest, basically. Well, we won't stop there. But. So, so here in this, in this unusual place, in this very difficult, probably, terrain, he finds, in this place of isolation, although he, had, he was a family there now, but from everything that he knew, he hears the voice of God speaking to him from an unusual place. And you see, this, this is the thing about the call of God. The call of God and, and the call of God, you see, the call of God is holy. You see, God is holy. And it says um, that Jesus said this. He said, um, my truth will sanctify you. You see, my word will sanctify you. My word is truth. And this is not something that we can work. We cannot work to holiness. We cannot try to be holiness in what we, you know, our conduct of our own hands and our own efforts. But it's something that that God imputes to us. It's something that comes a part of our life. It's something that is settled within us. It's because God lives and dwells within us. We become holy. And it's a very similar word to sanctification, holy, because it just simply means to be set aside. It means to be set apart from everything else. You know, God, and that's really what we're talking about. We talk about holiness. It's not just talking in a, in, a, in a holy voice and, you know, trying to do holy things, but it simply means to be set apart. God is set apart from, from his creation because it's a fallen creation and he's holy. Do you see what I'm saying? 
But God makes us holy. When we come to him, he places his Holy Spirit within us. And this process of, this, of his holiness is working out of our life. Amen? Touching other people's lives and meeting with other people. So Moses finds the call here in this unusual place. You see, he's already come out of a really comfortable place. He's really come out of a very worldly place where he was enslaved. And then he's in a foreign land. And it's here where he finds the call of God. Sometimes you, fo- you find the call of God in a foreign land, in an unusual place, in a place where you wouldn't expect it. And God calls you because he's calling you out. And sometimes he might call you back because it's only when you've been made holy by the call, by the word of the Lord, you can then deliver others. Amen. Sometimes you can be so passionate and zealous, but your the preparation, the process hasn't taken place yet, and God is manoeuvring you into the right position when you don't even realise it. God is setting you aside for something so special, you don't even realise it yet. But something is being developed in you that will affect generations, not just this generation. Many generations. We can, get, we can get very one-dimensional in church. We can just think we're in church and it's about me and my family and the people around me. But what happens within us affects generations. As we see, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's the generational faithfulness of God that he delivered the Egyptians. Some people think it's because they were crying out because they're in slavery. Maybe God heard. He did hear because it says he heard the cries, didn't he? He heard the cries. But God was still faithful to what he promised long, 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 long ago. It was generations after. And God's blessing runs through generations. Amen? Amen. And the change that happens in you has a knock-on effect from hundreds and thousands of people. You know, every time someone does something, it affects how much? You know, it's like the butterfly effect. I know Alan thinks he talked about it once, I think. But just a flap on a wing can affect so much. I don't know much about it, but I know just from a little bit. But God was setting something up, and he set something up through Moses, and we read about it at the end of Leviticus when the commandments come and the laws come and all these things. But this time, I believe, holiness hasn't really been mentioned in the Bible. I don't believe holiness was mentioned before. But he was saying, my people are holy people. They're set apart. This is not a works thing. This is a set apart thing. You're set apart for the call and the purpose of God. To bring what? To bring deliverance. And the purposes of God, they bring deliverance. They bring deliverance to us and they bring deliverance to other people. God's a deliverer. He's a deliverer. Amen? And we see that all the way through the Bible. Dan was saying to me about it. We should do a study on on how God saves. And I was thinking, that's going to be a big study because that's basically the whole Bible. That could last for years. <laughs> you know, you know these studies are how not to be fearful and how not to be anxious. Do you know what I'm saying? How God can save will last a long, long time because it's, it's all he does. He saves. He's working out his plan and process through all of us. And he says, you are involved with me now. You're my friends. You're my family. Amen? So he's setting us apart, isn't he? He's setting us up. And he set Moses up. So we see there's certain things, certain events in Moses' life act like a catalyst to everything else. 
Amen? Amen. It was something that was negative that propelled him into his destiny. Wasn't it? Sometimes the negative things that you think are working against you in your life are really setting you up. You need to be careful. Sometimes you can write something off and you think, well, God's just got going. He's he's preparing you for a blessing. (laughs) He's setting up his kingdom through that awkward person at work who's bugging you, rah, 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 and all this. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's setting up his kingdom. He's setting you apart. He's saying your frustrations is because I live inside you and you don't belong here. I'm not saying leave your jobs, but I'm saying you don't belong in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to fit in. You're supposed to stand out. Come on, you're supposed to stand out. That's the truth. You're supposed to stand out. Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to stand out. I just feel that's for you, for you here. Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid to be different in the gospel for Jesus. Don't be afraid to be different. Because in that difference, what you make, people get touched. Amen. You know, Jesus said about don't hide your light. A city on a hillside. Amen. God's setting you up for a blessing. Families will be saved. Generations will be touched. Amen. You know, I'm not exaggerating here when I say this. Honestly, what you're involved with is massive, it's huge. We're not here just to play church and just, you know, you can get so like squabbling around certain things and it's just, it's nothing in the big scheme of things. God's setting up his kingdom and he's coming soon. You won't be worrying about it when he comes through the clouds to meet you in the air. Amen. Come on. It's true. There's a gospel to preach. There's people to touch. Live for Christ. Be serious about your walk. Amen. Be passionate about the gospel. Be passionate about Jesus. Because, you know, what it does, it affects every part of your life. It affects your attitude. It affects every, every, the way you behave, the way you talk, the way you walk. Because God's coming out of you. Every angle. God can come out of every angle of your life. Amen? So when you're struggling with something, and you're wrestling against something, just know who's in charge. Know who's in charge. And like Paul, you can be content in all things. In all things I can do. I can do all things in who? In Christ. I can be content in him. Not in I have to be content in what I have around me. Because you won't be content if your contentment is just in what's going on around you. Your contentment in what's around you is determined by who you have, not what you have. It's who you have. And it's who you know. When this replaces this, you're in trouble. Never let this be replaced. This is, where my, this is where his home is. This is my contentment. I can go through all things. I can do all things now. I can do all things, whether I have this or whether I have that or I have that. I can do all things and my mood doesn't change. There's a constant in this Christian life. There's a constant. Wouldn't you like to be constant in life? Constant joy, constant peace? Well, you can have it in Jesus. Just receive him into your heart and into your life and you can have contentment. Amen? That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So much of what we have is conditioned, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? It's all conditioned. It's all conditioned. I have this and I'm happy. If I haven't, and I'm not. He's the same, though. He's the same, though. 
Oh, the precious anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's the same. And when it's based upon him, I can continue to walk regardless. You know, I've gone through challenges. I'm going through challenges now, but I know he's faithful and my joy comes from him. I'm not manipulated by my surroundings. How easy can we be manipulated by what we have or what we think we need? But he's the same. He's the same. I can do all things now. Wherever I have nothing or wherever I have more, I can do all things in Christ now. Because he's the same. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that good? You feel the Holy Spirit is here. Lovely, isn't it? Never, never, never let anything try to replace Jesus in your heart as number one and centre to everything. Because in him we're complete. And we walk in completeness. We're complete in him. Do you believe that? Say it, let's say it. I'm complete in Jesus. I'm complete in Jesus. I have all that I need in him. Amen. It's so amazing. Jesus is so amazing. If you've got him living in your heart, if you need to accept the Lord, if you, know, you want to know the Lord, I want to just give you an opportunity now. I believe there's some people who don't know him in this, in this place now. We'll just bow our heads just for a moment. We'll just have a time of prayer and just accept Christ. just want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, if we could all say it, Heavenly Father, I come before you now. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life, to forgive me of all my sins. Make your home in me by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You are now my Lord and my Saviour. I give my life to you. I honour you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness. I gladly receive you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so rich in this place. I love you so much, Jesus. Amen. Amen.